If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest is a networking expert. Robbie Samuels has been recognized as a networking expert by Inc. and Lifehacker and has been profiled in Stand Out How to Find Your Breakthrough Idea and Build a Following Around It by Dory Clark. He's the author of Croissants and Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking at Conferences. A professional member of the National Speakers Association, he's been speaking on the topic of exclusive networking for nearly a decade. While practical and filled with easy-to-implement action steps, his talks are most often described as dynamic, engaging, and funny. He shares fun, big ideas, everyday ideas which are accessible and immediately actionable and have the power to inspire significant change. Also, tune in to On the Schmooze, his weekly podcast on leadership and networking, to be inspired by the talented professionals he interviews. Robbie, I always love interviewing my National Speaker Association colleagues as guests on the show, so welcome and thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor. Thank you so much for having me, Susan. So, Robbie, Croissants and Bagels, I absolutely adore the title of that book, and I'm sure there's got to be a story behind it. Uh, <laughs> am I correct in thinking absolutely. that? Absolutely. It's not your typical business book title. Croissants versus Bagels is the most memorable and powerful concept from a talk that I've been doing for nearly a decade. Uh, The signature session is called Art of the Schmooze. And the concept is this. If you're standing at a networking event and you're looking around the room, you see people standing in these tight networking circles, those shoulder-to-shoulder huddles that are impossible to break into. Well, those are the bagels. If one person inside that circle opens up their body language and makes space for others to join, that's the croissant. And so really, I talk about intentionality, about being inclusive, strategic, effective, and all the things you can do to make the most of the opportunities once you leave the house. And so the title of the book thus is Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective and Inclusive Networking at Conferences. Fabulous. I love that concept. I've been very involved for many years in the trade show industry, and I know those huddles. I've been to enough networking events, and it's all the same people from the same company who stand together and talk to each other and never look to, as you say, network with anybody around them. Your recent book, the one we obviously we've been talking about, has been super successful in terms of the launch that you've done. I'd love you to share some of the strategies that you've used that have helped make it so successful. I'm really glad to share this. 
I was not someone who was drawn to writing. It's not something that comes easy to me. It's hard for me to sort of sit down and find that time. So I was so glad to be done with the writing part of it. And then the editing part came and I was like, okay, now I do all the editing part. When we finally got to the marketing part, that was familiar and comfortable for me. And so I've learned that for that's not true for most writers. It's usually the opposite. They're happy to write, not so happy to market. So I love the concept of your podcast. I at first actually had no desire to focus on Amazon and the metrics of success on Amazon. But then I realized if I'm going to write a book for my business, right, I'm a professional speaker and a business card doesn't do it. You have to have a book as well and probably two and three books. I thought, well, why not make a bestseller? Why not craft a book that is really actually very, very helpful? And then you got to make sure people know about it. So I decided I wanted a minimum of 100 reviews in the first few days of my launch. I actually am a member of the self-publishing school, which is through Chandler Bolt, and got a lot of insight into sort of how to build a launch team from him and from his community. I did it in such a way that even they're impressed. It's sort of funny. They're like, wow, your results are amazing. And I'm like, but you told me if I do all these things, this will happen. But I think I added a few things. First of all, my launch team was over 300 people. It was about 337 people. And so I made a landing page using lead pages. And I had people join through that link. So they all went right onto my email list and I can keep track of them. I also had a Google form that people were directed to right after that, where I asked them why they wanted to join and a little bit about their level of interest, their level of, of energy and time to commit to it and like whether they had any special efforts. And so you went through that process. I'm kind of curious from your perspective, what it was like to get that link and to sign up for my launch team. Well, I found it enormously professional. I just like, oh my goodness, this is serious stuff. I was interested in how you did that and the fact that, as you say, it was very strategic, the people you picked to be on that launch team and then what you wanted from them to help you to be basically your foot soldiers. I'm going to give you a little behind the curtain. There was no one denied access to the launch team. I'll take everybody. It was a bit of a litmus test. Having that little bit of a barrier where the signing up and giving your email address, that was no big deal. But then 80% of the people filled out the Google form. Not filling out the Google form didn't mean you didn't get contacted. I still made sure that as you signed up, you still got all my emails. But it gave me a sense of who might do more. And so our fellow friend and, and colleague in NSA, Kathy Fayok, was one of the people who signed up and she offered to help me do a virtual book launch. And so that offer came because she filled out the form and I sort of saw her opportunity and I was like, oh, what does that mean? And then so we did a webinar. Little things like that came from it. I had a feeling and I, it kind of bore out that about a third of the people who signed up for my launch team would actually follow through with writing the review on Amazon. So I needed 300 people, but I couldn't out of the gate say I wanted 300 people because that sounded kind of ridiculous. So I said 100 and then 200, and then 300 as it kept growing. Um, the same time, I was asking for reviews in advance. And so about 125 people submitted a review via email to me before the book was on Amazon at all. I was able to therefore track my progress towards that 100 reviews goal. Now, the reviews weren't on Amazon yet, so like I wasn't done, but it gave me some sense like, okay, most of the people who pre-write one will do this. And the reason I separated this, people get really anxious about writing reviews. It's not something many of us do often. 
Some people don't even do it for products. They just, they never do it. They think they have to read the entire book word for word, which isn't the case. And I was trying to give them tips about that, but they wanted to like craft this message. You know, I'm like, it's two or three sentences. Like you could just bang this out by separating that from posting it, which is the technological piece that some people got nervous about. It was able to be a two-step process and it also increased their buy-in. They were part of this earlier on, like weeks before the, the launch actually happened. So that particular tip of getting the reviews in advance, I think proved very helpful. So now that you've got like, I think it was 150 something odd reviews, how do you feel that's helping you sell the book? So it's about 160 some odd reviews worldwide because there's about 10 on other Amazon sites like Canada, Italy, <laughs> UK. It's really cool. I think what happens is a couple of things. When the book launched, as it's still in Kindle, it will be out on paperback on September 12th, which will be around the time this airs. And so this is only Kindle so far. I will have a separate sort of mini launch around the actual paperback. I wanted the book to hit number one and because there's just credibility attached to that. And I very carefully chose categories where I could be competitive. So I did all the research to see where people ranked for paid Kindle and chose categories that were a good fit, but were also not unrealistic for me to hit number one. And I also was able to contact KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing, and ask them to expand the category. So it's weird because the categories that you see online and the categories you see behind the scenes don't match up. So I actually just gave them 10 categories that I wanted and told them to delete the ones that I had used as I published. And they did that. And I hit number one in three categories. That helps everything because I was, I think at one point my book was ranked at about 7,200 on all Amazon paid Kindle, which is extremely high. I mean, <laughs> it was better than I thought it would be. And then Amazon starts to actually promote the book. So when you hit 100 reviews, no one knows exactly how this works. It's algorithm. It's proprietary. But there's a sense that when you have a certain number of downloads and a certain number of reviews, and that magic number might be 100, then Amazon starts to push out your book for you. So I know that my book's shown up on the sidebar, not paid advertising, just through Amazon, saying here's some new releases in this category you might be interested in. I also know people who sent me screenshots of my book being emailed out to people. You might want to check out this book. That's happening because of the number of downloads and the number of reviews. Talk to us about the categories because I think that's very important. What did you suggest? First of all, what did you market the book under? And then what did you suggest to KDP? I'd have to pull it all up, but it was a mixture of communications. Etiquette was one because I'm talking about welcoming community entrepreneurship. There's a few different categories where entrepreneurship was part of the title of marketing. I guess marketing and sales was another category. But here's the thing you do. On the bottom of each book page, there's a section where it tells you the book's ranking in Kindle paid uh, books. It'll be a number sign, like a pound sign or a hashtag sign, and then a series of numbers. And right below that are three categories that it's in. You only ever see three categories at a time, but it turns out you're allowed to have up to 10. You just go through the contact us page to change that. So the homework is that you go to the categories that you think you want to have your book in. If I hadn't known this, like the categories I originally chose blindly without doing any research were horrible categories for trying to get to number one. <laughs> they were impossible because I was like, oh, I should be next to Tim Ferriss, that kind of thing. Like you're like, no, you're never going to win. <laughs> it's really hard. I mean, it's not impossible for a moment, but 
make it a little easier. So if a book at number one is ranked 20,000 or below, so 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, 100,000, whatever, any number 20,000 below, that's a very competitive. You can easily, that's a little easier. Not, I don't say easily, but like it's much easier. If it's above 10,000, so if it's 10,000, 9,000, 8,000, 7,000, 500. I mean, there are books in some of the categories that I was looking at initially that were like number 531 in all paid Kindle. Like it's going to be really hard to compete with that. Those are categories you just kind of, that's like a red category. <laughs> like that's not an easy one to do. And then in between is 10 to 20,000. That's sort of a, a middle ground. So you look at the first three books in each of those categories in the top 100 list. The other thing you can look at is the 20th book. Because if you can get on the first page on the top 100 list, that's pretty good. So my book, it got to number one in three categories. It's still in the top 20. I think it's for six categories right now. That's the front page for six categories. I mean, it's number five, six, and eight, I think, in some categories. So it's still doing really, really well. And part of this is that I, I had a very strategic launch as found having a free time period and then how I've increased the price over time. That's pretty impressive. So let's start talking about networking, which is the topic of the book. I think over the years, networking has, in my opinion, gotten a bad rap. And talk to us about sort of the negative connotations that might be attached to the word networking. I mean, we've all experienced people who are kind of spam you by like, just slapping their business card in your hand and have no interest in you. And it's kind of sleazy. And I don't know why people still try to sell this way. And it's both in person. I also have seen the same things happen online. I don't blame people for having not great feelings about networking. But what they're missing is that networking isn't that. It's actually about building relationships, about building community, about connection, about offering before you ask. And anybody who's really good at sales, they know that. Like you ask people who sell, you know, I had to interview someone on my podcast who sells aviation private jets. She made her way through that business and now she teaches people how to do high ticket sales. She gets it. It's all about building relationships. And I think the same thing for authors. They have to really be thinking about how to build their platform before they launch their book and doing a lot of offering. Because when you're launching a book, you're doing a lot of asking. I mean, there's going to be two weeks. I mean, you're on my launch team. I send an email every two or three days. That's a lot of asking. Part of my success is that I'd offer it a lot in the weeks, months, and years before that. And some of that was in the Facebook groups that I was active in. I made sure to offer a lot of value before then asking for favors. And can you help me with my launch team? Networking really should be about building relationships. And that's the core message for the way I approach it. So this isn't a, a quick in and out. You can't just build a relationship overnight. So it takes time. Is that what you're saying? The reason I focus the book on conferences in particular is something a lot of us have experienced doing. We show up, logistically, we show up. We've gotten the travel arrangements figured out, but we haven't done any of the prep work before we go. And at the end of the weekend, we're like, ah, was that worth it? Depending on whether you're an introvert, so you're kind of exhausted, or you're an extrovert and you're like high on the fact that you met all these people, but you still didn't walk away with anything tangible, you make any strong connections, it can start to feel like a waste of time. I think doing some prep work in advance, getting clear about why you're going to the events you're going to, and thinking about the long-term piece, because if you're not doing the follow-up, if you don't have the plans and strategies in place to do the follow-up, 
then you're just collecting business cards. I have to say, every listener right now, like look around your desk at work or at home and you will find a stack of business cards. If you've left the house in the last year, you have a stack of business cards and they're not serving you if they just stay in your desk. And if you just collect business cards and then go out to another event and collect business cards, like that's a cycle that I want you to break. I'd rather you go home and like have a plan for how to actually follow through. You're making me feel very guilty. One of the emails I sent to my email list early on is I asked people to take pictures of the business cards on their desk and send them to me. It's been great. It's been a lot of fun. I want you to look at collage. I could send you a few. Networking as it relates to marketing a book, what would you suggest for our listeners how they can utilize networking? A lot of people think about making a bookmark as part of their marketing material or some sort of palm card, like a a small little like quarter sheet. I did a business card. Now, it's a little on brand for me because I'm talking about networking, but it's also so much easier for me and the person I'm handing it to to keep track of because it's something they already know how to keep track of. And I was able to have business cards on me at all times. So when I went to the conference where I just saw you, the National Speaker Association conference, my book was not launched yet, but I had a card where one side had the book cover, the title, the picture of it, and on the back it said how to join my launch team. And it had a link to my landing page. And it told them that if they joined, they were gonna get a, you know access to a free copy of the book and they were gonna get the audiobook when it came out and they were gonna like help me be a number one bestseller kind of thing. And it worked. People would take it and go home and actually act on it. I also made a card after the book came out, same idea, but now the card tells you the book's available on Amazon or at robbysamuels.com slash bookstore. So if you go to the that link, the robbysamuels.com slash bookstore, it doesn't bring you directly to Amazon. It actually brings you to a landing page where I say, hey, before you go get it on Amazon, do you wanna opt in and get my free bonus bundle that comes with a Kindle, which is 25 transcripts of networking tips and techniques from my 25 podcast episodes last year and 25 leadership quotes. And about a third of people have gone through and actually then joined my email list. And that's part of my message here is that your email list is so important and it'll help you sell your second book and your third book and your fourth book. So even if you didn't start out with an email list, use your book. Like I've doubled my email list since the book launch. I didn't have a very strong email list. I was mostly using social media. But with this concerted effort of having a way for people to come into my website, opt into a lead magnet, like it could be a 10 tips or checklist or something, something it could be like a workbook related to your book, a guide, like a map, anything that gets people to feel like, oh yeah, I kind of, that'd be a great resource. Once they're opt in, then send them messages, keep them updated, tell them what you're working on, invite them, offer them things. Don't neglect that because it's an email list that you own. You know, everything else we're borrowing land on (laughs) Facebook and LinkedIn, but email list is yours. A tactic. Many times people say when they're at an event, they don't know how to start a conversation. Mm -hmm. Do you have some tips that you can share with our listeners on how would you start a conversation with a complete stranger at a networking event? The first thing I do when I go to an event is I walk in and I walk around and I look for those croissants. I look to see if there's some open body language as people are gathering. What I want to avoid doing is going and standing on the edge of the room 
or worse yet, in the corner, because it's much harder to meet people. And if someone comes over and talks to you and they don't know anyone, that's an even more awkward ending. Try to get into the middle of the room. So you look for an opening. If you don't see an opening, get in line for food, get in line for a drink and make eye contact with people as you're doing that activity together and just make some kind of upbeat observation about what's happening in front of you. Don't complain. It seems like an easy way in, but there's not much more to the conversation once they agree with you. But if you say something upbeat, they might then invite you to join them with their friends and colleagues that are sitting down somewhere else. The nice thing about getting in line is that people tend to not be in line with all of their friends. They're there by themselves. And it's a lot easier to talk to people when they're not like standing with all their friends. The best opening line for me is, hi, my name's Robbie. Like, use your own name, but (laughs) that's it. Like, it's pretty simple. And then maybe your affiliation, like I'm a board member or something. But I think we overthink it. A smile goes a long way in those kinds of moments. And then the opposite. How do you gracefully exit from a conversation? You realize that, yes, this was nice, but you don't want to stay with this person for any more time. What do you do to exit gracefully? The easiest way to do this is if you're still standing in a group with three or more people, if it's you and three other people, let's say, you're not going to interrupt the conversation to shake hands and say goodbye to each person individually, right? You don't do that. You just sort of tap the person nearest you and you mumble something about, hey, I'm going to go. And then you walk away. That is the easiest way to exit. If there's just two of you, or let's say there's three of you, you're going to have to make a decision because if someone else besides you walks away, there'll only be two. So when there's three people, either you have to decide it's time to go. And, and sometimes you have to almost leave before it's time to go because you want to leave people wanting to talk to you further. That can actually be to your advantage. You might wave other people over to join your circle and make sure you're keeping that more of a croissant so that people can join you. But if it's just two people, one method is you ask somebody if they can introduce you. So if you're newer to the space, you might say, I don't really know that many people here. Is there anyone you think I should meet? And then they'll brainstorm for a minute with you, come up with a name. And you're like, oh, great. Would you introduce me? And people like being connectors. They don't have to know everybody in the room to be able to do this. And I did this once at a conference with a college student and I hadn't been in college in 20 years. So we were not peers. But he mentioned his intern supervisor and excitedly made that introduction happen and walked away feeling really, really good about it. That's another method. And then last thing that I would say on this is it's three G's, grip, grin, and go. So if it's just the two of you and it's just, it's time, the grip is the handshake. The grin is that you say something nice to sort of smooth out the moment. Great to see you. So glad you're here. Great running into you. And then go, which is you leave. And too often we interrupt this process. We shake hands, say something nice, remember something else we want to say, say that. And then that social cue of a handshake at the end of a conversation is kind of broken. So it's really up to us to make sure that we smoothly move through those three steps. And then you can always message people through any number of channels now if you think of something else after. That sounds very strategic. I love it. Robbie, if our listeners would like to get a hold of you, find out more about your services, the book, how can they do that? 
I do have something I wanted to share with your listeners, which is 10 tips for conference connections. It's a three-page guide purposely written so that if you were walking into a conference and you have this on your phone, you can just read through it really quickly and implement the ideas right away. And you can find that at robbysamuels.com slash BMM. RobbieSims.com is my website, which is where you'll find my podcast, which is on the schmooze. You also learn about all the things I'm working on in the world. So one of the things I'm doing is I'm leveraging the book and I'm doing free Q&A webinars and I'm launching a pilot group coaching program, all based on the content in the book. So I love the learning what people are challenged by and helping them figure out how to overcome those challenges. That's very generous. So thank you. So listeners, make sure that you grab a copy of that. And if you were to leave our listeners with a golden nugget, Robbie, what would that be? So write your follow-up email before you go to the event. That was very short, sweet, and concise. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just that the process of doing that will make you think about why this event, why this particular event, who are you trying to meet, who's going to be there. You start doing that research start thinking about the possibilities. You start thinking about what you'd want to tell them, what you want to learn, what inspiration you're looking for. You get a lot of clarity and a sense of purpose about going. You don't have to go to every event. Please don't go to every event. Be strategic about what events you're choosing. The second thing it does is that if you have this written and you track business cards you collect by putting them in a special pocket or turning the corner of the cards that were particularly meaningful conversations took place, If those two things happen, you're 80% of the way done of actually sending the email afterwards. If you can just start doing that, even if it's three emails every time you go out and it's three meaningful conversations, your professional network, your supportive community is going to just amplify by you actually following through. So you set yourself up for success, spend less time and energy out just at random networking events. I want you to stop wasting time networking and start building great relationships. Fabulous. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparks some ideas you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you much book marketing success. The time is now to take action and finally build your book selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded. So visit bookmarketingmentors.com and we'll see you again next week.